0: Hello Miami Dolphin fans, welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker, with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. We're back together on the show. I had a week off, it was, I don't know if a week off is the right way to say it, but it was uh it's busy time in uh, the real world, so I was uh, unable to join you on the show last week. But I thought you did a pretty good job in my place. Well, thank you, thank w- you. It was a good training camp report episode. I, I thought you did it. you you did a very nice job. You handled it like a professional.
1: It's it's the preseason for all of us. That's what I'll say.
0: It it really is. And I just I will say that I had a nagging injury, so we played it safe rather than risk a serious injury in a preseason game. Which you yeah, know
1: we don't we don't need to see you out there in August. We got to make sure that you're ready for the long haul, September to late December, early January. I don't know when that Week 17 game is.
0: Yeah, we listen. Everybody knows what I'm capable of. Everybody's seen me in action, and and you know that I'm capable of making it through a preseason game. So why risk it? Why risk it? You it's a high to-
1: bar to set. He, you know what he's capable of? He's capable of making
0: it through a preseason game. That's right. <laughs> he's, I'm capable of making it through preseason. Game. Listen, listen, if you need me to be here complaining about the Dolphins come week 14, let's not have me complaining about the Dolphins in the preseason. Now, in, def- in, in the defense of the Dolphins, Not a lot to complain about coming out of that first preseason game. I mean, I thought that first there was, there's, listen, it's the first preseason game. You can't get too excited about anything and you can't get too upset about anything because the first preseason game. So, you know, you don't, you have nothing to measure it against. It's the same way. It's in a lot of ways. It's like a lot of how I feel after week one of the regular season. It's just, it's one game. It's great that, you know, if things went really well, terrific. If things went really bad, that's okay because we don't know what we're up against yet or what, what we're really dealing with here. Um, so you have to try to keep a level head, particularly in the preseason, when it's like, doesn't count, it doesn't matter. And like much of the performances, you know, were people performing against backups, that being said, yeah, what's the fun in that? Exactly. So that being said, I think when you watch that first preseason game, the biggest takeaway, if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, I think the biggest positive coming out of that game, far and away, is Preston Williams. This guy's going to be a monster. I think. I mean, am I wrong? Is that not like the the biggest well, positive <laughs> to take out of that game?
1: Well, it's it's the biggest positive, but you may be jumping the gun a little bit sure but but like i said i'm with you uh like i said it's positive and he he looked like a monster uh but to just flatly say he is going to be a monster we got it we got to see how it plays out we got to see if he gets reps with the ones now i need to
0: say i need to say i am making that judgment based in part due uh thanks to some information from one of my sources, uh, my source is Xavier Howard. Right. <laughs> so like, like, don't, don't get mad at me. Get mad at my source. Well, no, yeah. X had some ha, X gave the most
1: ring endorsement. We've heard all off season about Preston Wilson, about Preston Williams, not Preston Wilson. The former Marlins. Great.
0: Well, um,
1: former Marlins. Great is really stretching it. Well, there aren't very many. So like he's up there.
0: It's, yeah, it's like it's like uh Gary Sheffield and Jeff Conine. Yeah, the Niner. And uh Levon Hernandez. There
1: you go. But we but we could go on and on about that. But uh yeah, you know, obviously Miguel Cabrera and there's a couple other guys. Bonito guy
0: Santiago.
1: That oh, Santiago Anyway, let's get back to Preston Williams. Williams. Yeah, Preston Williams, not Preston Wilson. Um, X said that he's going to be a number one receiver. Now, he didn't say that he's going to be a number one receiver this year. But he said, look, I've seen, you know, I've gone up against the best receivers in this league. And I know something special when I see it. And that's what and so he he lay, he heaped the praise on Preston Williams in in training camp and week 1 of the preseason he did not disappoint and there is obviously a connection between Josh Rosen and Preston Williams and these two work together they have a background of playing together in a camp uh, prior to their college days, when they were both coming out of high school, they were in a camp together. I believe it was in Oregon, and the, and Josh Rosen was throwing him balls. So these guys have a connection that goes back a ways, and that connection is still there. That it flashed during the team scrimmage, and you saw it again in this preseason game. And the guy just—I mean, one—the first thing you notice is he's huge. He's, he's six, five, he's got this amazing wingspan, but also the guys, the guy can run some routes and you put the ball near him and he comes down with it unless he's being interfered with. So that's pretty much everything that you're looking for in the position, at least on the field, the off the field stuff. That's kind of the big question with him. Otherwise he probably would have been a first or second round pick in this maze draft. Uh, so really the sky is the limit for him. The question now is, does he start to get reps with the first team? Does he start to eat into Devonte Parker's, uh, playing time or is he, you know, a guy that goes opposite Devonte Parker and do you go with two giant receivers since we, you know, we're still seeing, you know, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, both limited, does that mean that while those guys are kind of taking their time, working their way back, that Preston Williams gets more work with Devonte Parker and Kenny Stills. But I think it's safe to say at the very least right now, uh, barring just an, a major setback or an, or something really unforeseen like a major injury, Preston Williams has already made this
0: team. Yeah. And What I've got to say is that if I'm Devontae Parker, alarm bells are ringing for Devontae Parker because what you saw from Preston Williams in this first preseason game, and again, granted, it's just a preseason game. But what you saw out of him was the potential to be the receiver that everybody has hoped Devontae Parker would be um he's got he's got the same size he's got the same skill set but what we've seen is that he's got that ability to go and do it at least that's what we saw in this game if this well, is something well, that, does this he, is, has he proven that though well that's the that's the question right is we saw it in one game as much as parker right but i mean De- even Devonte parker i don't recall seeing him ball out like this uh it, you know it's one game Every so often, if Preston Williams can do this on a sort of consistent basis throughout the preseason and can make it and parlay it into success in the regular season, I think that's when alarm bells start ringing for Devontae Parker. But I don't know how Devontae Parker watches a performance like that and goes, well, I'm going to be okay." But then again, he's Devontae Parker and he's, you know, the mental aspect of the game has been a problem for him. Um, so we'll see whether or not that's something that he can get together. But either way, I was impressed with Preston Williams. I think he was easily the standout performer for the Miami Dolphins in this first preseason game. The other performance that I guess is of note, and it's the one that folks are talking about when it comes to the offense, um, is the, is that of Josh Rosen. This was at our, our first opportunity to see him play. I think he ended up playing quite a bit more than than anybody expected him to play in this game at least at first uh, i wouldn't have expected to see him out there as i think he was on the field for something like 50 something snaps in this game but he finished 13 of 20 for 191 yards through a very bad interception And also had a a bit of a mental mistake towards the end of the first half when there was, uh, it was a second down play. There was less than a minute to go. The Dolphins had no timeouts and he decided to scramble into the middle of the field. Uh, and so that sort of set the Dolphins up for failure, but, uh, you know, so kind of a mental mistake there, not something that you would want to do, but other than those two, you know, kind of boneheaded plays, I thought that I thought that Rosen was fine. He didn't seem great to me. I it wasn't like it didn't instill me with a ton of confidence in him, but I I thought that he was fine um in his overall performance. He looked a little bit shaky at times behind that offensive line. And the offensive line was atrocious in this game and I'm sure we're going to get into that shortly, but I thought that he was fine, but the thing that I'll say is that you know, while Ryan Fitzpatrick was only 205 in this game, I thought that Fitzpatrick looked a lot more competent when that, when the line was collapsing around him. Uh, Fitzpatrick looked a bit more comfortable and sure of himself. And that probably is to be expected when you've had a career as long as he has. Um, uh, and you've been on as many teams that have had terrible offensive lines as Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So I, I suppose that's to be expected, but. Um, in spite of how Rosen looked in this game, I would say that nothing nothing in that game told me that Ryan Fitzpatrick shouldn't be the week one starter for the Miami Dolphins.
1: Well, I saw the good and bad from both guys. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the biggest takeaway from looking at both of them was how much quicker Ryan Fitzpatrick was, how much more decisive he was that he knew I don't have very much time to make a decision behind this offensive line. I'm either going to run or I know where I'm going with the ball and I'm letting it rip. And because of that, you didn't see, you know, he, he mitigated the offensive line problems a lot better than Josh Rosen because he was just, he was much more prepared to deal with that. And, uh, when the when the middle of of the field opened up on a third down and he had man coverage, he recognized it right away, took off down the middle. He's he's lighter on his feet than Josh Rosen too, which that's that's a quality that uh, is going to be important at least this season in the in the ever changing landscape of the NFL. It's important because as the as more of an emphasis is put on pass rush in this league. There's more of an emphasis on the ability of your quarterback to scramble, get outside the pocket, make things happen with his feet. And that's not Josh Rosen's strong suit. And Ryan Fitzpatrick looked good at that. But I'll also say that Josh Rosen showed a little bit of that. He got a li- he was a little shaky at the beginning. Maybe some jitters, maybe just – look, the Falcons – do have a very good pass rush and the Dolphins have arguably the worst offensive line in the league already. And then also didn't play Laramie Tunsell. They're only for sure quality offensive lineman. So it was a mess, especially at the tackle position. Uh, but, but Rosen showed some signs of being able to escape some pressure. He had one in particular where he was able to avoid a sack, get outside of the pocket and throw the ball away. Uh, of course he did have that one completion to Preston Williams where he had a defensive lineman draped all over him and still managed to throw the ball out there, which look shows, shows off the arm a little bit shows off, uh, you know, kind of his gunslinger mentality. But it was probably an ill-advised pass, but still Preston Williams made it look good because he's able to come down with the catch. Um, look, there were some good things from, from Ryan Fitzpatrick with the decisiveness. Uh, there was a couple of throws that looked bad, but you can argue whether or not, I mean, only the Dolphins really know whether it was Fitzpatrick's fault or there was a pass to Kalen Bellage. Uh, And there was a pass to Mike Gusecki that sailed well over Gusecki's head where there could be a question as to whether or not Gusecki flattened the route or was supposed to run a corner. We don't know that. What I'll say is when Rosen was protected, he looked really good. When he was comfortable, he makes throws that Fitzpatrick can't make Uh, a couple of those deep throws. Uh, to Williams, one the fade route in the end zone where they got the the pass interference. I mean, it was a perfectly thrown ball. The deep ball to Preston Williams, where he came down with the long reception, the one handed catch. Uh, in spite of being of being pass interference, that was a perfectly thrown ball. There was a drive throw in the third quarter to I want to say Hakeem uh or Bryce Butler. Uh, or maybe it was, uh, or maybe it was the tight end, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but, uh, but there was a couple of throws down the middle of the field where when Rosen looked comfortable, he delivered and you could see the arm talent, but you can definitely see there's a difference in the processing speed between Fitzpatrick and Rosen, particularly when the play breaks down and that's where Rosen has to be better because that was one of the biggest knocks on him last season and in college is that sure, when he's well protected and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, he can deliver the ball where it's supposed to be. But that's like 90% of that. I mean, really, that's 100% of the starting quarterbacks in the league. That's Ryan Tannehill. You know, when Ryan Tannehill was protected and wide receivers were open, Ryan Tannehill put the ball where it needed to be. The question is when the play breaks down, can you improvise? Can you keep plays alive? Can you make the great play, the play that separates you from every other starting quarterback in the league and truly makes you that franchise guy? That's what we want to see from Rosen. Um there wasn't a whole lot of that in this game i mean there were a couple of of throws that that kind of made you open your eyes and then there was the the circus catch throw but that was probably a bad decision and then of course there was the really bad mistake that i mean the interception was really the bad mistake and that's that's the one thing that i would say is going to keep him from being the starting quarterback on this team because all else equal If he's not going to make the big mistake, then I think the Dolphins can live with him learning on the job and learning as the number one quarterback. But they're trying to implement a program of smart, disciplined football, mistake proof, takes no talent football. And so you've got to eliminate the mistakes. And that's what, you know, you didn't see that from Fitzpatrick and you saw. Two of them, but really the one bad one, the interception, especially since it was deep in our own territory, nearly taken back for a pick six. Those are the things that just absolutely can't happen. But I'll say that I saw enough in that, that Rosen absolutely deserves some work with the ones. And I still think this is a competition. I don't believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick, has done enough or that Josh Rosen looked so bad that this isn't a competition. Because remember, at the end of the day, this season, I mean, there's a lot. It's an evaluation season for the entire roster. But the most important thing about this season is figuring out what we have in Josh Rosen. So I think it's a great thing. That we saw him get in get in that much playing time in in the first preseason game, and I think we got to see even more of it in the second game. And I think we should see a pretty even split. I think you I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the the starters uh, for the Dolphins play almost an entire half in in the second game, and get a quarter for each. Uh, Fitzpatrick and Rosen, to give them equal playing time to really get a fair assessment going into that third preseason game because going into that third preseason game, you'd kind of like to know who who your guy is because that's your quote-unquote dress rehearsal.
0: Well, I think we'll be taking a look at that. I'm sure that Rosen is going to get a little bit of time with the ones this week. It, it would be surprising if he didn't. Um, what I was just saying was that I haven't... I think the position is still... Fitzpatrick's to lose as of now uh, but a lot can change over the course of a week and I suspect it probably will. I'm gonna agree kind of, but I'm gonna put it in a different way okay I don't
1: think it's Fitzpatrick's job to lose. I think it's Rosen's job to win. I think if if all things are equal, this is Rosen's job. There's nothing that that Fitzpatrick can do to win or lose the job. He is what he is but if Rosen gets to Fitzpatrick's level then it's Rosen's job. So it's Rosen's job to win,
0: but he might not win it. We'll see, and and we'll have to wait and see to see how that does. Couple other aspects of this game that I want to talk about. Um we'll save the very worst for last. So let's talk about the defense next. Um I thought the defense left a little bit to be desired. I thought it was um kind of an underwhelming performance from a unit that a lot of us suspect is going to be the bright spot on this team. Now granted they they were missing quite a few players, um but I th- I thought I don't know, I just thought it was kind of a lackluster defense, uh, la- lackluster performance from the Dolphins defense in this game.
1: It's hard to take away too much uh because a lot of what this defense is going to be is stunts and bliss and blitzes and twists and things that they did not show this game from the defensive perspective was really just very just working on technique. Now there were a couple of red flags. There was, there were a couple of blown coverages. Um, and there was, uh, And there were, uh, you know, Nick Needham really, really struggled. (laughs) Uh, He got picked on. Obviously, Eric Rowe uh, did not play in this game. X played uh, a little bit. Uh, But the opposite corner spot, which is expected to be won, the starting spot anyway, expected to be won by Eric Rowe. You saw the two guys that got the most work in early before the— you know, before the backups kind of came in and mopped up at the end were Nick Needham and Jamal Wiltz. And both of them kind of had up and down days. Both of them were flagged a couple of times. Both of them were beaten a couple of times. I do think tackling was a little bit of an issue. That's something that absolutely has to get cleaned up. And that's something that Brian Flores harped on in his press conference was look we're we're going to have no shot if we can't tackle. That's going to be the one thing that needs to happen. But as far as the defensive line, a lot of people complaining, "Oh, there was no there was no pass rush. There was no, There was no pass rush because the Dolphins didn't weren't worried so much about throwing <laughs> throwing their their whole defensive game plan out there. Uh the way this is not going to be the same style of defense as we had the last, you know, however many years, whether it's Adam Gase or Joe Philbin, as long as we have been doing the the standard 4-3 defense where your defensive line is responsible for putting pressure on the quarterback. That is not the focus of this defense. That's not what this defense is designed to do. The defensive line in this defense, in this scheme is designed to occupy blockers and then when there's a, and then throw a blitz from different areas and the question and the and the scheme will get those pass rushers one on one or possibly free looks because the, they're constantly changing where that fourth or fifth guy is coming from and then the then you throw in the games like the twists and the and the stunts and it it's all about confusing the defensive line in this game it was really just about the defensive line occupying ho- occupying their blockers, holding down their position, really using they call it heavy hands to really you know hold the hold the line and then set the edge on the outside so that we're not allowed. It's really a, a run first defense. It's designed to stop the run first, and then also designed to uh, to open up rush pass rush lanes for the linebackers but we didn't blitz a lot and in general I thought the defensive line did a solid job now it wasn't like they did an exemplary job it's not like I don't want to overstate it but they did fine uh it, it was really I mean Christian Wilkins was, was solid at the point of the, uh, at the point of attack Devon Godshaw was, was really a monster out there, uh, doing, doing his thing. Uh, and you, and you saw a couple of guys, uh, jo- undrafted free agent, Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, showed up pretty good. Uh, an edge rusher, Nate Orchard, who has been, who has been coming up big in practice and training camp. He showed up on the, on the, the film in that game uh, making a couple of plays, tank Carradine. I thought, you know, there were one or two plays where maybe he got a little bit too into trying to attack the pass rusher and not set the edge. And I thought that got him into trouble. But by and large, I thought he did a nice job. There's talent on this defensive line. And for, and for the most part, I thought they did what they needed to do. And then they went out. And what's even more exciting is they went out and they added some more talent. I guess right before this game, uh, I guess it was, I guess it was Thursday afternoon. They made a signing. Uh, it was Wednesday night or Thursday afternoon. I guess uh, they made the signing to bring in Robert Condice, a former first round pick. So they added more talent to this defensive line. Uh, I really think the defensive line is going to be a strength of the team. The question is do you have the coverage on the outside? Because the defense is designed to have the press coverage on the outside, which is going to, you know, force the quarterback to hold onto the ball a little bit more, a little bit longer, and then allow these pass rushers to get in. And do we have the edge rushers? Do we have the guys that will get in? Uh, When, once we start throwing the pressures at him, is it a Nate Orchard? Is it a Jerome Baker? Is it, uh, McMillan, uh, that remains to be seen because we don't have that one elite pass rusher. Uh, we were kind of hoping that maybe it's going to be Charles Harris. Maybe this will be the year that it will be his coming out party. I didn't really see it in that first preseason game. So I think this second preseason game might be, uh, you know, he, he's definitely on the bubble, Charles Harris, the former first round pick, as far as making this team.
0: Let's go to the other side of the football. What was clearly, I think well listen, it's it's one of the most glaring weaknesses on this entire roster is the Dolphins offensive line. Now, granted, there was no Laramie Tunsil in this game. Um, and as such, Jordan Mills was was in there playing out of position, and it was this was this game was a disaster for Jordan Mills. Uh, and it looks very much like he is really not going to be like, very helpful outside of his normal position on the right side of the line. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Brain talked me through this offensive line because <laughs> no, it's bad. It's, uh, it's, the problem. Um, is it's pretty, you'd beautiful. love
1: to say, you'd love to say, Oh, Jordan Mills, he's going to get cut, but Jordan Mills
0: might be the second best tackle on this team. Yeah. Because you've got. Listen, this is an offensive line that is employing Jesse Davis. Well, yeah.
1: And honestly, I thought Jesse Davis probably had the best night of, well, no, Isaiah Prince probably had the best night of any of the Dolphins tackles, but he didn't get in until really the third teamers were in there late. Uh, But, but uh, Will Holden, I mean, he was hot garbage. Just wow. I mean, that was a disaster. He he's not making this team. I just don't see how it can happen. Um, but I think Jordan Mills, look, this guy was a below average right tackle that should not have shocked anybody that he did not do a good job at left tackle. The problem is, look, if Laramie Tunsil doesn't play, this team does not have anybody else that could play left tackle. Um, but Jordan Mills at least has some experience there. So they're trying to work Jesse Davis in at the right tackle spot. And because they know that Jesse Davis isn't going to play left tackle. So let's put, uh, you know, let's put Mills over there and see what we got. There's just nothing there after Tunsil at tackle. Uh, you hope that you've got a serviceable, that you've got a serviceable enough player to put on the right side. And then you have one other guy. That's kind of your swing tackle in case somebody gets hurt. Look, if Laramie Tunsil gets hurt this year and it's any kind of serious injury, this offense is already going to be bad, but it is going, they're going to struggle to put up 10 points in a game. If Laramie Tunsil doesn't play because this offensive line is bad and the interior of the offensive line, though better was nothing to write home about either. Uh, the Pat, like Michael Dieter, got beat bad a couple of times. Chris Reed had his ups and downs. Kyle Fuller had, you know, looked okay. Kilgore had his ups and downs. Shaq Calhoun, the undrafted free agent who seems to have uh, the inside track at a starting spot at guard, he had his ups and downs. In general, what I would say is they looked better in run blocking than they looked in pass blocking. But even run blocking, they they were not great when they got down near the goal line. There was a good rep where, you know, on Kalen Bellage's touchdown uh, where he jumped over the pile where Shaq Calhoun drove his man well into the end zone, which created the space for Balazs. That was That was a good rep, but there were a lot of, you know, no gain, one yard, two yard runs where the interior of the offensive line just created absolutely no push. What I will say is you saw much better play from the tackles in the run in the run blocking department and Durham Smythe, clearly the team's best run blocker uh we we've yet to see Dwayne Allen he did not play in this game, but Durham Smythe certainly has seemingly locked up a role for himself as the team as probably the best combination of. Run blocking, pass catching tight end. We don't know, yeah, I mean, Dwayne Allen's got a spot on this roster. We know gasicki has got a spot on his roster on this roster because he's the he's the one tight end that has kind of a unique skill set. And then Durham Smythe might be the best pure blocking tight end. And then and then Nick O'Leary, who is kind of your your hybrid. But I thought, you know, on a couple of runs, on the touchdown run by Mark Walton and then on, ba- on Bellage's, uh big 16-yard run, I guess it was in the first or second quarter, uh, D- it was Durham Smythe setting the edge, you know, well sealing off the edge on the offensive line that really sprung uh, the big run. So I-, I think he has secured a spot on this roster because we're going to want to run the football and we're going to need our tight ends to block, Uh, and he's probably the best blocking tight end of the bunch.
0: From there, let's go to the backfield of this team, because I thought this was another area that was very uh, exciting to watch. That was uh, the running backs, and I think, I thought Drake looked good, I thought Balazs looked good, but then I also thought that Walton and... uh, uh, Gaskins looked good, and then who, who was the other guy that was back there? Laird. Laird. He looked good as well. And uh, you made a point on Twitter that you wondered based on based on how all of the running backs performed in this game, you wondered whether uh, Cox's spot at fullback was a position that was definitely going to be safe.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like it is. I mean, they drafted him in what the fourth round. Um, you're not drafting a fullback in the fourth round. Uh, if you don't expect him to make the team, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's a sizable amount of draft capital, um, that you're using on a player. So the, the expectation is he's going to make the team, but I wonder, we've just got so much, much depth there. And I feel like we're keeping four tight ends because I really, I mean, Dwayne Allen has, you know, guaranteed money. Gasici going to make this roster. I believe Smythe is making this roster, and I believe Nick O'Leary, because of his versatility, both as a blocker, as a pass catcher, as a guy who can do a little bit of what Chandler Cox does. I wonder if it comes down to it, if we really like the talent that's back there in our backfield. If there's a guy, you know, let's say it's, let's say it's Miles Gaskin. Let's say it comes down to it, and we decide, look, obviously, Drake is safe. Bellage is safe. Uh, we want to keep Mark Walton. And we say Mark Walton is our third guy. And then we decide, you know, Miles Gaskin has some excitement to him, also a guy that can help out on special teams. And we really like the upside that this guy brings. But if we put him on the practice squad, we're worried that he's going to get snatched up by another team. Would they look at it and say, well, we could put Nick O'Leary at fullback and do some of the things that Chandler Cox can do. If they see those as equal parts, then maybe Chandler Cox's job isn't necessarily safe because I don't think we're going to keep five running backs. I don't think we'll keep four tailbacks and a fullback. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what's probably going to happen is that we're going to keep the four tight ends. Uh, we're going to keep Chandler Cox. And then really what it is, is we've got a battle for the third running back position and we'll stick somebody. We might stick two guys on, on the practice squad, or they might decide, look, if, if all things are equal, we like miles Gaskins long-term. Uh, You know, he's he would be a cheap guy and he's got maybe a higher ceiling. So maybe he ends up beating out Mark Walton and then you let Mark Walton go. And then it's Patrick Laird that ends up on the practice squad who I mean, he still might get snatched up. But I think Gaskin, the guy with with the higher upside, would be the guy that you're worried about getting snatched up. But at the end of the day, are you really worried so much about your fourth running back getting snatched off the practice squad that you want to, that you would make your team worse. I don't know. Uh, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, it's your, your fourth, your fourth tailback. So, and, and running backs in this league has, has been proven year after year after year. While it's great when you've got a really talented one, really talented ones come out year after year and they're kind of a dime a dozen. So I do think, ultimately Chandler Cox is safe. We're going to get, we're going to have three tailbacks make this roster and then he's going to be the fullback. And then I think Nick O'Leary will be kind of the backup in that regard. He's going to kind of back up Durham Smythe and back backup uh, Chandler Cox kind of as needed and help out on special teams. He's just kind of a versatile player. Um, and that means that it's just going to be a really close battle to take an eye on or to keep an eye on for that third tailback position that you know between Walton Laird and and Gaskins I think Walton throughout training camp probably has had the inside edge he showed a little bit of wiggle but wasn't necessarily overly exciting in this one so I think that both Gaskins and Laird probably closed the gap it'll be very interesting to see in the next preseason game if you know the the order of when these guys come in assuming everybody's healthy and everybody plays in this next preseason game you assume you're going to see Drake and Bellage running with the ones but who's the next guy to get a carry who's the next guy to get in the game is it Walton is it Gaskin is it Laird because that's going to key you in to what the thinking is and who's got the inside track of winning that battle
0: was there anything else in this game brain that you think uh, is worth Discussing before we look ahead to the Dolphins' next preseason game uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, I think I think going back to the the defensive secondary, one thing that I noticed uh, with Bobby McCain not being out there was Montre Hardage and Maurice Smith were the two guys that that got that single high safety uh, that fr- that traditional free safety position. So there's a battle there for who ends up making this roster behind Bobby McCain. You know, Walt Aikens is going to make the the roster because he's the captain on special teams, but he's not going to get out there very much on defense unless there's a lot of injuries in front of him. So you're looking for who's the guy that's going to step in after Bobby McCain. Now, it could also be Minka Fitzpatrick if you feel good about the corners that you have. Um, but it seems like the, they want to keep Minka at corner more than safety. And I think that because that's where he excels most, he's his best position is slot corner. And then when they go to the, to just, you know, four defensive backs or two corners and three safeties, they want Minka as the other boundary corner, because he's probably the second best at the job on the team. And they're trying to keep him out of that that free safety position. And that's why they've moved Bobby McCain there. So they're looking for the backup solution there when, you know, in case Bobby McCain has an injury. And so I think that's another battle to look at is between Hardage and Marie Smith. I believe one of those guys will make the team and that will be their ticket onto the roster is, is that high safety that kind of center field uh, free safety position. Um, Other than that, I think I mentioned, you know, how Eric Rowe probably solidified it, solidified his starting corner spot opposite Xavier and Howard just by not playing this game because Nick Needham and Jamal Wiltz were so upside, uh, so up and down. But when the, you know, the end of the game, when Cornell Armstrong, Jalen Davis and Torrey McTire got into the game, those guys held their own. And so. I think it's interesting to see, you know, if Eric Rowe does indeed play uh, in the second preseason game and X plays, is there any shuffling in the depth chart at cornerback? Because I think that's far from settled as far as we know X is one corner. We feel pretty strongly that Eric Rowe is the second corner. But after there, um, I think you're going to see, obviously, Minka, you know, whether you want to call him a corner or safety, but between... Uh, Whether it's Needham, Wiltz, McTire, Patman, who did not play in this game, uh, Jalen Davis, Cornell, Armstrong. I think you're probably only going to see two of those guys make the roster. So I think that's that's the other battle that I'm looking at to see who ends up taking, you know, making this roster. And I, I think it'll be very telling to see what happens in this next preseason game. And the last one is the linebackers. Jerome Baker was everywhere, but nobody else, I mean, Nate Orchard, who you can call him a linebacker, an edge rush, or whatever, outside of Jerome Baker, the off ball linebackers, nobody really stood out to me in this game. You want to see Raekwon McMillan in that next one. I thought Sam Aguavin struggled in in run defense, was okay in coverage. Actually, Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, got some run and you see what they like in him. Uh, he had a play where there was a, like a bootleg and I don't know if it was, if it was Shaub in the game at the time or if it was Chris Sims, but the quarterback rolled out and it was the running back was, was going to go out into the flat and Van Ginkle, you saw his initial instinct was to go after the quarterback, but he immediately recognized hey, this is, this is what the design of the play is. And he, like like 90 degrees almost, like just totally, you saw the thought process. He's like, nope, I figured this out. Stop the play dead in its track and it turned it out to be, he forced a throwaway on what would have otherwise been a potential five to 10 yard gain on an easy dump off had he not recognized it and I thought that was really impressive for uh, a rookie making his first preseason game uh his first NFL action so uh, I thought that was some good stuff from Andrew Van Ginkle
0: well that leads us to next week's game The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins we talked about what we want to see at the quarterback position um I'm, I'm looking to see, I guess I don't want to see a a huge, um, defensive overhaul, but I'm I'm hoping that they throw in a couple of more wrinkles to give us just a little bit more of a sense of what this defense is going to really look like when it's, when it's in full swing. And I imagine that they'll, I mean, the, the, they they don't game plan a ton for these preseason games because it's not really the point. But I think it'd be interesting to see if we see any of that. I would love to see some improvement on that offensive line just in terms of it's going to be really difficult for us to get a sense of who our quarterbacks are, right? If the goal is figuring out who these quarterbacks are, who Josh Rosen really is, uh, we're going to need that offensive line to be able to at least provide a modicum of protection for him so that we can come up with an assessment. So I'm hoping that the offensive line can take some steps forward. Uh curious to see how things go with the wide receiver court. Can Preston Williams keep those performances up? Uh, and let's let's see what's going on in the backfield. Can we I, I really want to see more I, I think we know what Kenyon Drake and Kalen Bellage are capable of. I'm really curious to see a bit more of of Walton and Gaskins and Laird and see how how they perform, and see how uh, what Chandler Cox can do as well, not just as a blocking back, but to see if there are other ways that he can be incorporated into this offense. So looking forward to those things, I think, perhaps most of all this week. What is it that you're looking forward to in this game, Brain? I think the
1: biggest thing is is the offensive line. It was obviously a bad day at the office. I expect that you'll see Laramie Tunsil in there because I think they need to solidify what they've got. They, they need to, to see what they've got at, at offensive line. And it's hard to really get, and, and in general, the entire offense. And it's hard to get any kind of real feel for what you have when you can't block at either tackle position. And the fact that they're trying to cover up for the absence of Tunsil uh, you know, that shuffles things around probably unnecessarily. So I think you're going to see Laramie Tunsil. I want to see who ends up at that right tackle position. And I want to see, do they stick with Calhoun at one guard? Do they st- stick with Calhoun, Kilgore, and Dieter on the inside? And if they stick with that, do do those guys take a step up? And if they don't take a step up, you know, who's the next man up? Does Chris Reed get a shot? with the first team playing guard uh, does Isaiah Prince who played very well with all, against albeit the mostly third team Atlanta defense on the field. Does he get a shot at tackle to kind of show what, what he can do? I mean, the dolphins invested a, a six round pick in the guy and he not only had a good game run blocking, but he didn't allow a pressure on 16 dropbacks. So I think he's a guy that probably earned some more playing time. Uh, I mentioned I want to see who gets the crack at the at the cornerback spots. I want to see if look if Kiko Alonso doesn't get in there and Raquan McMillan is in and some of these linebackers make some noise, could Kiko Alonso be in be at risk of not making this team? So I I think Kiko Alonso needs to get out there and needs to start showing up and making something happen, or he's at risk of not making the team. But the number one thing that we want to see, let's not fool ourselves, is the quarterback competition. I want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick get a full, probably, I I would say I want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick get at least three drives with the offense. And then I'd like to see Rosen get at least 3 4 maybe 5 drives with it. because at the end of the day th- this whole thing is about evaluating Rosen. So to me they can't give Rosen enough playing time. Uh it just just throw him out there. We know that Jake Rudock is the developmental guy. There's no there's nothing you know, there's no way he's making this roster as the backup unless there's an injury. So I want to see as much of Rosen as possible, but I also want to be able to make a fair comparison by seeing enough of Fitzpatrick and enough of Rosen and both playing with the first team. So I would like to see the whole first half. I would like to see the majority of it. The number ones on this field just kind of split between Fitzpatrick under center and Rosen under center.
0: We'll be looking for that next week as the Dolphins take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their week 2 preseason matchup. In the meantime, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at @AaronTheBrain. And you're you're actually tweeting more. So that's actually a I thing am. now.
1: Yeah, like I and I plan on doing more live tweeting during the games. Now, the issue is, look, and you know all about this cuz you're in upstate New York. I'm in Tampa. So Uh, the game wasn't aired this past week, uh, locally. So we had to, you know, kind of watch it via, via recording, you know, on delay. Uh, so instead of live tweeting me watching it on delay, I decided to just watch it and then just kind of give my thoughts afterwards. Um, now they are playing the bucks this, this week. So it will be uh, on TV live. Unfortunately, I'm going to be working (laughs) at the time that it's aired. So uh, it's still going to be more of the same. But you know what? Tweet at me. Let me know if you would rather me tweet live during my watching of the game on tape delay, or if you'd rather me just watch the game and then just tweet out my thoughts afterwards. And then, of course, we'll do our podcast.
0: Very good. So remember that's at Aaron, the brain. I am at, at Aaron, the brain. Yes. And I am at amplified to rock. The show is at same old dolphins. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash same old dolphins and, and get involved over there. And of course, every episode of the same old dolphin show is available on dolphinstalk.com. We're part of the dolphins podcast network along with dolphins daily, the brand new tailgate talk with, Pat Sertan and Gadston, um, which if you've if you've listened to the first episode of that, you may hear a familiar voice taking you in and out of the show each week over there. Don't forget, there's the Countdown to Kickoff show. There's Perfectville. There's a lot going on over there at DolphinsTalk.com. So we hope that you'll visit DolphinsTalk.com every day. Because it is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Of course, you can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin show on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Podcasts. We're on uh, Stitcher and SoundCloud and Spotify, and we're we're kind of all over the place. If there's any podcast service that you prefer that where you can't access the show currently. Um, Let, let me know, tweet at us at same old dolphins and we will, we'll see what we can do to fix that for you. But otherwise, that's where we are. And we hope that you can leave us a rating and a review in the Apple podcast place because that really goes a long way in helping other people find the show and letting us expand the network of people who we are interacting with uh, as we talk about your Miami Dolphins. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. We'll be back next week after the game at Tampa Bay. We'll be back. We'll have our feedback. We'll we'll have our discussions and uh, we'll continue to look forward as the Dolphins move towards their first season in the new Brian Flores era. Until then... Take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!
1: Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control.